In the Old Testament, we see the first thing God did was create the earth. And then he created mankind. But then the enemy slithered into the garden and sin became a part of man's problem. And throughout the Old Testament, God kept making decisions of redemption for the people of Israel. But every time that happened, they went back to worshiping idols and not living according to the way God wanted. And then the Old Testament ends and there's silence for 400 years. And then God makes a move. And the move he makes to this day, the enemy has no move to destroy a change. He sent his only son to die on a cross, to take our sin, to die a horrible death, to take our sin on himself. So no longer sacrifice of animals because Christ became the perfect lamb sacrificed for us. And then he rose again three days after, giving us victory over every situation that the enemy will throw at us. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. And another move took place. When Christ died on the cross, a move took place. And that move changed us from being foreigners into being children of God, into being his family. Galatians tells us in Christ, every human distinction lose their significance because we belong to one body and he is the head. Nothing matters more to the king. Nothing matters more to him. The Bible says in Hebrews, but for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. You and I, for the joy that was set before him. So it's all about the family. It's all about his kids. No ministry, no congregation, no group, only his family. We've all been uniquely created by him and for him. He is coming back for his children. He's coming back for his children. Not a denomination, not a church, not a group, not a cell, not an individual. He's coming back for his church. Therefore, we are his family. If you are today in the family of God, you're born again of the Lord, and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, I want you to turn to each other and just say, I am your family. This is the person you will see for all eternity, whether you like it or not. We need to change our positioning. Reposition yourself into who Christ says we are, not what the world says we are. The world needs to be looking at the church and going, I want that. Because they can't see it in their lives. They can't see it in their communities. That one move changed us. If there's someone here today and you could not honestly say, I am part of this family of God, we are believing that at the end of this service, you will become, you will join the family of God. God's love for you emulates in his very nature. You come to him and then you will experience his love. Stop waiting for him to show up and show himself before you believe in him. His love emulates in his very nature. Reposition yourself in Christ. I want to share with us the story of Gideon this morning, but just reflecting 
on the situation of what repositioning is like. In one, one of Samuel chapter 17, we have David and Goliath, right? You know the story of David and Goliath. David was 13 years old. Goliath was a grown man, nine feet, over nine feet tall. David was a little guy. He walked up into the arm, into the field, the battlefield, and saw all the children of Israel, all the army of Israel running back and feeling in standing in defeat because they saw the giant. Well, it's interesting that not only was the giant clad completely in an armor, but his armor bearer was as, as completely armored as he was, and in front of him, coward. <laughs> because you see, he knew what God could do, but the children of Israel didn't. It took David to walk up and look at the giant in the eyes and say, how dare you? How dare you stand before the children of God? See, he didn't say against me or against my family. He said the children of God. He said, today I will have your head. God will give you to me. Need to look sometimes when you think the enemy is doing stuff. I've talked people saying the enemy made me do it. The enemy doesn't make us do anything. We choose to do it. Stand up and know who you are in Christ. And whenever you feel you're walking a tightrope, whenever you feel the enemy is on your life, in any situation in your life, you just stand up and say, How dare you? Because God has given us the authority to say, How dare you? attempt to steal my positioning in Christ. The side you're on will determine the success of your battle. Are you on the side of the Israelites, the army of Israel, or are you on the side of David? There's another book, another story about in, in, in Exodus, when the children of Israel, God says to Moses, bring them to the foot of the mountain. Now here are the children of Israel, Again, God is doing something to redeem, right? So he brings them to the foot of the mountain. The mount, they see the cloud. They walk into the cloud of God. They hear the voice of God. How easy it is for us to hear the voice of God and turn around and do something opposite to what he says. Reposition yourself. Do only what the king says. So here are the children. They're at the mountain, the foot of the mountain. They hear God's voice. And they turned around immediately and said to Aaron, build us a calf so we can worship. What happened? Israel, we talking about Gideon. And the book of Judges is a book of redemption. But in the book, we see where God brought the Midianites into his people because of their disobedience. But then when they cried out to him in mercy, he decided to change that. So when you cry out to God about anything in your life, he will change it. He will change it. Just cry out to him for whatever the situation may be. Israel was walking, God, it says, in disobedience to the king. But God was waiting for them to speak. Until then, the Midianites for seven years stole everything they had everything. Is that what we do sometimes? Hear God speak and easily forget his goodness when we hit another storm. <laughs> there will always be storms in our life. We live in a broken, fallen world, but when we call on him, he comes with redemption. 
He comes with release. He comes with forgiveness. He comes with an answer because he recognizes we live in a fallen world. Isn't that why he died? <laughs> so that we can come to him and he can do what only he can do. Remember that your past history with God and his faithfulness is your weapon. Whenever the enemy makes you feel God doesn't care, he hasn't brought my husband yet, he hasn't brought my wife yet, whatever that is, <laughs> just know that your, his faithfulness to you in the past is your weapon against the enemy seeking to steal your positioning in Christ. Smith Wigglesworth, the great English apostle of faith said, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I am moved only by what I believe. I cannot understand God by feelings. I understand the Lord Jesus Christ by what the word says about him. And he's everything the word says about him. That's why it's important for us to spend time in the word of God. And I don't mean on your iPhone or whatever device, Samsung, whatever device you're using. That's a, that's a prop. That's the icing and the cake. You want to spend time with God, you need to open his word because it means you're changing your position to hear from him. We can read, but if you want to hear, you have to stop and sit still. In let's go to Judges chapter six, rather, and I'm going to read some of the verses from verse eleven. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tree which was in Ophir, which belonged to Joash, and his son was stretching stretching wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, "The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor." And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, you will, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, if, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks to me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And then we see uh, the following verses, Gideon prepares the sacrifice before the sacrifice. And then in, chapter, in verse 21, the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and a fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. In verse 22, now Gideon perceived that it was, he was the angel of God, and he said, alas, my God, I have seen the angel of God face to face. In verse 23, and the Lord said to him, peace be with you, do not be afraid, you will not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still there. God longs to show us his power. Here's Gideon, the, the angel, surprisingly enough, comes and he sits under a tree watching Gideon doing what he didn't need to do anymore. 
The angel came with his deliverance, but Gideon was busy doing good things. He was doing what was necessary for the children of Israel. He had to hide what was going on, uh, hide the wheat before it was taken from them. But the angel appeared and waited for Gideon, looking at Gideon, head down, doing all that he had, to, all that he needed to do. Why did Gideon not see the angel? He was not looking for deliverance. He was trying to solve his own problem. He was busy doing what was good, but head down. We, we can allow ourselves to so focus on the things around us, only on ourselves and what we think we need to do for God, that we, don't, we actually don't see the angel with our deliverance and clarity because we're looking at our own deliverance and not his. We are praying while using everything possible to change the situation. Does that only me happen to me? I changed my position, so I don't do that anymore. But it's possible to be praying and working it out. So we don't see God because our position is wrong. Because we're looking at our mobile devices. We're even Googling to find the answer now. We keep looking down. Look up. It is amazing what we hear when we block out the noise. I am on about eight WhatsApp groups. And the only way, is, it's not a negative because it keeps me in touch with people who are important in my life. However, if I don't discipline myself and how I deal with that, which means I switch it off certain times during the day for hours so I can stop looking down. Because that's only WhatsApp. There's still email and message and, and some of you are into TikTok and whatnot and this, that. And, Shut it off so you can hear God. It's looking down. Look up and see what God is saying. Discipline yourself in the things around you. Don't let the enemy steal from you the time you can spend with God. I challenge you to turn your phone off for so many hours every day, or rather, check how much time you spend on your phone every day. Any, any device. Just check how many hours you spend on it in a day, and then check how much time you spend with God. Yet you expect him to answer all your prayers. <laughs> this year, I'm enjoying my new positioning with the Lord and his Holy Spirit. I've just decided that I just want to know the Holy Spirit is the dove. <laughs> and that's not easy. When I started this positioning, it wasn't easy because it means, sh shut up, Ruth Ann. Just listen. It's, it's interesting that we have gotten used to not liking silence. I've been in churches where as soon as you say, let's just be quiet before the Lord, somebody feels they have to say tongues, somebody has to interpret, somebody has to do this, somebody, no, just be quiet. I've had times when I just say, shut up, just be quiet. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just says to me, Ruthann, shut up, stop the chaos in your head. And just allow me to speak to you. Draw me near, draw near to me. When Gideon changed his position, he began to listen. The thing is, we don't like waiting on God. We want every, our devices makes us feel everything is possible instantly. Instant microwave, instant noodles, instant this, instant food, instant everything is instant. 
driving to a movie, driving to church, driving in America, they drive into church, drive into the movies, drive into the bank. They don't even have to get out of their car for a whole day if they choose not to. Instant everything. And if we're not careful, we place the Holy Spirit in the same positioning. Instant. If he doesn't answer, something is wrong with God. Or maybe I have changed my position. He is still where he always was and is. Dr. Tony Evans says, waiting on God, God does not mean doing nothing, but moving from God and doing something. In verse 12, the angel walks over to Gideon and he hears him say, God is with you. The angel still was not seen by Gideon until the, Gideon, the angel walked over to Gideon. Really? <laughs> You're saying God is with us when everything around us is chaos? Do you feel like that sometimes when somebody sends you a text to mobilize and encourage you and you're thinking, really? You don't know what I'm going through here. You need to, sh that, don't, that doesn't work for what I'm going through here. It's the opposite. <laughs> I can hear Gideon saying, I'm, look, I'm having a bad day. I am busy having to do this to save the food for us from the Midianites because every time we plant, our crop, they come and steal the produce. So let me just keep on doing what I'm doing, and you can talk to me as I do it. And sometimes we do this. We ask the Lord to keep talking to us, the Holy Spirit, while we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing anyway, because it's not what God wants us to do. Stop. God longs to lead us. Number two, God longs to show his power. Gideon, the Lord is with you. Now look up and you will see what he sees in you. The issue is not what I see in me. The issue is what God sees in me. The issue is not what, God, what you see in yourself. It's what God sees in you. Gideon was looking at the same miracles of the past. Gideon was busy limiting God's future by his past, looking for God to move in the same way. Are you looking for God to move in the same way he moved as he did before? Because if you are, you'll miss the move in, his li in your life today. Are you expecting him to move in the same way he moved for someone else in the same situation as you were in or are in? Because if you are, you'll miss the move he wants in your life. In verse 13, Gideon says, now show us your miracles. You brought us here. Look, God took them over the... God fed them in the wilderness. He did everything. that They didn't need new shoes. They didn't need new clothes. They didn't need food. And yet, they questioned the goodness of God and turned to serving idols, which is why they were in this situation with the Midianites. Does it feel sometimes like God brought you to a place and left? Does it feel sometimes as though he's left the room <laughs> that you're in? Only I get that. Huh? All these holy, Lord, I have around me just holy brothers and sisters. <coughs> he hasn't left, but check where you are. Because the word of God says he cannot change. He cannot change his love for you. He cannot change what he feels about you. He cannot change. So if it feels as though he's not there, he is. It's just you are not in the place you should be. Reposition yourself. 
rather than get angry with God, rather than get frustrated, rather than call somebody to pray with you, rather than call a whole cell group to pray with you, reposition yourself. Does it feel sometimes, it says, check, uh, rather, in Psalm 40, this is a, a verse that the Lord gave me one day. I was sitting here in a prayer meeting many years ago, and I was looking and listening to what was being said, and someone was reading from Psalm 85. And then the Lord showed me this verse, verse 13. His footsteps go before us. Or rather, his footsteps become our pathway. I love that. His footsteps becomes my pathway. So whose footsteps are you following? If things are not going right in your life, check your footsteps. Check your whose footsteps you're following. Because he says, my footsteps will become your pathway. God saw in Gideon what Gideon could not see in himself. God sees in you and me what we can't see in ourselves. Remember, he created us for his glory. He created us for his purpose, unique for his purpose. Every one of us in this building and those downstairs and those online, we all have a different DNA. That's how unique we are. <laughs> He may not do the same thing for you as he does for me, or vice versa, because of the DNA of my personality and who I am. Gideon's position, notice, please notice, keep noticing the glory of God being revealed in the process. The glory of God is not always revealed at the end. It's revealed in the process in our lives. We want God to just answer our prayers, but sometimes he stands with us in the storm to walk us through the process to see his glory because <laughs> he wants us to participate. How wonderful. In verse 14, God says, go in the strength of yours. What strength? I can't change things. If I had strength, I would change it. God was still, Gideon was still looking at this in his humanity and not in what God was doing. God was beginning to show forth his glory in the process. Gideon says, I can't change things. What are you talking about? I can't do that. Even in my father's house, I am the least. And there may be someone here today, and you feel in your family life, in the things that have happened to you in your family, or your parents, or your father, or not having a father, or not having a mother, that you may feel you are the least. But in God, you are not the least. You are the best. You are the best. Reposition yourself and see yourself as God sees you. He says, I know. Look, I have heard things said about me. If I tell you, it will make your hair curl. Get curly. Those of you with straight hair will get curly here. Those of you with curly hair will get straight here. But I decided that I would follow what he says. And he says, I am what he says. I am. I am who he says I am. Turn to someone and say, I am who he says I am. Now say it like you mean it. If that's all you remember today, with whatever is facing you when you leave this place, whatever is facing you in your marriage, whatever is facing you in your home, remember. You are, you, and say it, stand in front of your mirror and just say, I am who he says I am. I was speaking in a marriage conference many years ago and I said this to the women to uh, do this when they got home and one lady went, 
home to her non-believing husband, and she stood in front of the mirror and said, I am who God says I am. <laughs> he tripped. <laughs> when we move from the place we should always be with the Lord, we become weak spiritually. We must always stay at his feet. We keep looking for his hands, his give-outs, rather than his face. He longs for us to see his face. With his face comes everything you need. The scripture tells me he knows my needs before I even ask. Who and what is the idol in your life? Anything that takes a higher place than God in our lives is an idol and it weakens us. Anything, anything that takes the higher place then God weakens you. God knew what Gideon could do with his empowering. God was sending him because God was sending him, he could not lose. When God is sending you, when God is asking you to do something, you cannot lose because he is asking you to do it. I said this morning and I say again, there's no time to tell you my testimony. If you heard where I was and where I am now and the testimony involved, knowing I, I'm not speaking just because of scripture, I'm speaking from an experience that I've had with the Lord. Because I know him to be faithful, even when I felt I was alone. I know him to be faithful. I know him to be faithful when he moves me from one place to another and I don't know what that's about. But I faithfully said yes without knowing the next step. <laughs> Stop waiting to see his hand first before you move. Gideon was still seeing himself in his humanity because the, he forgot that the angel said, the angel didn't say, you, Gideon, will save us. He said, I will do it through you. So Gideon says, how can I save Israel? But God didn't say he would. I just need you. I'll change it. Do you feel like that because something has been said about you or against you, or people have said things about you, and so you feel you can't do anything for God? You can. God took a man who was ignored in his household, who was the only one, mind you, he was the only one digging the hole for the whole children of Israel. <laughs> that tells you his positioning in his humanity, and God chose him and changed the nation. God can use you, just one person, to change a nation. You have to just get out of the ditch yourself. I don't know what your ditch is today. It might have been abuse in the past. It might have been pain. A marriage that has broken down. Whatever it is, God can only respond to your heart when you get out of the ditch first. The angel did not help Gideon out of the ditch. He had to get out of the ditch for himself. And then the angel of God began to show him what he needed to see in Christ. Get out of the ditch. Reposition yourself and see what God can do. In verse 17, Gideon is asking for more confirmation. Show me a sign. Sometimes we wouldn't move until God moves first, but he's waiting for you and me to move first. And then... He moves because he wants us to be part of his revealed glory. By the way, let me say at this point, you do not ask God for fleeces anymore. You do not set fleeces for God. 
in the Old Testament, the Holy God had, Jesus had not yet come, and therefore there was no indwelling Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit of God, over uh, what it was said, in, in, enthroned himself over that person or clothed himself with that person and used that person. But now we do have the Holy Spirit living within us. We don't need a fleece for God to show us how to go. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and the whole God's Word says He will lead, guide, and direct you in, in some ways, only on Sundays, in all our ways. Every decision you make, the Holy Spirit is living within you to lead, guide, and direct you. So stop setting fleeces. I promise you the Holy Spirit will not answer. You will not hear God's voice. As Artie Kendall said, the Spirit of God will just fly away. In other words, you won't hear him. There is an animal in Africa and I'm called an impala, and I think the eastern part of Africa. And that animal can jump 10 feet in the air and a span of 30 feet in one stride. But that great animal will be stuck behind a wall of three feet for a span of its life because it cannot see where its foot will land. Or you can find yourself stuck in a situation in your life and you think God is somehow hurting you for some reason or other. He doesn't do that, by the way. But maybe you just need to take that first step. Whatever God has placed in your hand, use it. Don't wait to see the finished product before you move. Change your positioning. When God is with us, we can jump over walls. We can leap over the problems and situations in our life. Gideon repositioned himself. Gideon had to, as I said, get out of the ditch. And then in verse 18, Gideon worships. It's amazing what worship does. And I don't mean, obviously, we had a wonderful time of worship, and that's so important. But I mean worshiping him when you're washing the dishes and a song pops into your spirit. Worshiping him when you're washing your face or brushing your teeth and a song pops into your spirit. The Holy Spirit is giving you something for the day because he knows what's going to happen down the line. He knows what's likely to happen at lunchtime in your office. He knows what your boss is going to say. He knows what's going to happen and he causes a song to rise up inside of you. That's worship of a different kind. We have to go back to his presence and stop being distracted. Our lives have become so busy that without realizing it, we have added the Holy Spirit to the race in our lives. <laughs> we tell him where we want to go and when we want to go and how to do it. <laughs> we even expect him to respond when we say he should respond. We tell him to show us his glory. Uh, but uh, His glory is with him. God's glory is with him. We have his Holy Spirit in us, but God's glory is with him. We spend more time, and I said this before on our mobile phone, listening to so many voices when only God can change our lives. There's a cost, though, to hearing his voice. It means silence, time, learning to hear his voice above other voices. That's what I'm trying to do. I have been seeking to do this year, that I get to know his voice so clearly that I hear his voice above all the other voices. By the way, don't pray if you don't, you're not prepared to do whatever, he said, whatever his answer is. It's pointless praying if you're not prepared to follow his answer. 
which is always the best for us, but never, very rarely, what you want. <laughs> Gideon changed in worship. His father's house changed. His whole father's house changed because when they came for Gideon, because he had broken the idols, the father says, don't touch my son. <laughs> when we worship, don't forget the secret place is where God, we find him and where we change. Get out of your head. It is not about you, and it's not about me. It's all about the kingdom agenda of God for the nation and for his church. It's about no individual, no ministry, no group. It's all about the kingdom of God for the nation. It's all about souls. He cries out. That's why he died. That men and women will come to know him as Lord and Savior, get out of the old life into a new life. In verse 24 to 25, we see, 24, we see where Gideon builds an altar, and he calls the altar the Lord, and God says the altar is called Lord is peace. The word peace meaning Yahweh Shalom. Gideon now has a completely new perspective of himself. He now has a sense of security in his relationship with God. Shalom meaning wholeness, security, well-being, prosperity, relationship, peace. In other words, Gideon is saying, I will never, ever doubt God again. God longs to have intimacy with us. Worship, victory is in worship for who he is, not for what he can do. Don't find yourself praying and worshiping just to get God to answer. <laughs> it doesn't work. God asked Gideon to destroy. He had to do something in obedience to see the glory of God. He had to destroy the, elder, the, um, the, it, destroy the idols in his father's house. Gideon was so afraid of his father, he took 10 men with him. We must be careful not to be influenced only by those around us. We must obey God. He will change the circumstances around us so we see clearly he is speaking. God wants us to take down the idols in our life and build him an altar so we can see him, weep before him, and allow him to enjoy his presence, our presence with him. You know, I, Psalm 139, I love that psalm. And uh, uh, one of the verses says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that he's thinking about me when I'm sleeping. I love that verse. Because I think of him when I lie on my pillow, I think of him just sitting beside, I have this thing in my head, I, I close my eyes and I see him sitting by the side of my bed, enjoying, my, enjoying me. Because I've been busy all day. He hasn't had the time to just enjoy his jewel. Because he says we're jewels in his crown. And when I'm asleep, he just watches over me. And then it's over to me when I wake in the morning, I either say, good morning, Lord, or good, mor good Lord, it's morning. When we pray, God looks at what affects his kingdom, not a personal life. Every answer in God has a purpose. Getting to, the, getting to closing. <laughs> and God longs to empower us for great things. He delights to manifest his sovereign power in everything are in human weakness. Through, a personal, uh, through the personal presence of the Holy Spirit of God, 
Gideon in, three, in chapter 6, verse 34, delivered God's people from the oppression of the Midianites. Gideon repositioned himself into a leader for the children of Israel. The Spirit empowered and clothed Gideon, this divine appointed leader, and acted through him to accomplish God's acts. God will work through us to accomplish his kingdom acts. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Don't look outside for the answer. Spend time with him. Gideon had to, do, had to be willing to follow instructions. You note that God changed the strategy of the battle. And sometimes God was changed the strategy in what he's told us to do. It doesn't mean it's not the same answer. He just changes the process. That's why it's so important to spend time with him. God will always move in unusual ways. He's supernatural. And I just refer to Judges chapter 7, verse 4 to 7. Ordinary men found themselves doing extraordinary things because God moves, the, God moves, the supernatural becomes natural. I long for that. I long for people, my neighbors, to see the supernatural of God become natural in my life. So they say, what is that? I want that. That's, that's my heart for this year. That my neighbors and those around me, I have wonderful neighbors <laughs> around me, but that they will begin to say, what is that? They're not saying it yet, so something about me needs to change my positioning. Gideon took 32,000 men to battle, and God chose 30. Uh, sorry, God chose 300 and one. may seem like your battle is too much for you, but remember, the battle belongs to the Lord, but he doesn't fight like you would. He does not handle the battle humanly. God will move in extraordinary, unusual ways, unusual ways to fulfill his plans and purposes in his life. And we sometimes are looking for the same thing. God will move in unusual ways. Second Chronicles chapter 20, there's a verse that says, give God the struggle of your life and situation and he will fight for you. But it says, remember, he doesn't fight like you would. You wouldn't see your miracle until you find the water pots. You won't see your miracle until you move the stone. Remember the story of Mary and Martha and, and um, Lazarus? Jesus heard Lazarus had died. He was two days away. He went two days further away. Does it feel sometimes that you're asking God for something maybe today and it feels as though he's gone further away? <laughs> But he's only did that. He only did that for Martha and Mary and the, and the people around there and doing it for you, perhaps because he wants to show you a greater thing than you're asking him for. And the thing is, he doesn't want to show you alone, but it has to be, he wants to show it is so great that everyone around you say, what is that? You won't defeat Goliath until you destroy an idol. Who and what has become an idol? without you recognizing it. In conclusion, reposition yourself in Christ. Fall at his feet and listen. Spend time with a dove. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I found how I can. At first it was very difficult and uncomfortable to just be silent. 
but I'm enjoying his presence in this way. Just know him as the dove. A dove never goes where there's chaos. In actual fact, my brother-in-law was saying that he was in Trafalgar Square many years ago in one of his books, and uh, he bought the feed. You remember years ago, some of you are not old enough to know that, but there were years ago when you would buy a bit of feed and you'd hold it in your hands and the pigeons would stand all over your hands on your head, and they won't hurt you. They just stand and eat and get fat and die, whatever. But they're just standing there. And the guy who was selling the, pee, the feed said to, said to Tony, you do know doves wouldn't come here in Trafalgar Square. And he said, why not? And he says, because they'd never go where there's noise and chaos. And a friend of mine in Ireland, was, when I shared this, she was sitting, she said, that's, one, that's strange, that's incredible, because I'm sitting in my sitting room looking at a dove, on my, enjoying a dove on my windowsill outside. And the minute I moved, the dove flew away. The dove is sensitive and needs us to rest. Whatever's in your hand right now, work, marriage, children, ministry, take a step. The step he's shown you, take it. For the next step will not be revealed until you walk in the step he's put in front of you. If it is ministry, you will not see his power until you hand it back to him who gave it anyway. Because the power belongs to him. One day, and I, I must end, end this, sorry, guys, I'm going over time, I know. One day, some time ago, your, your lamb will be fine when you get home. It won't be overcooked. One day, some time ago, I remember walking out of my house, and I, I was doing so many things. I was running again to some counseling situation or some home, whatever, and I just put my, did like this on my thighs, and I just said, Lord, I am overwhelmed. And instantly, I said to the Holy Spirit, forgive me. That is not an emotion that comes from you. It's not a word in your dictionary. It means I'm doing things in my own strength. And I asked him to forgive me. Because when he asks us to do something, he constantly refreshes and restores us in the process. So we're not overwhelmed. The enemy will make us feel overwhelmed so we don't do the job properly. <laughs> That day changed how I do things, because I realized from that day to this, it's not about me. It's not about the ministry that God has called me to. It's all about Him. If we do not reposition ourselves in Christ, we will not have any impact on the world, on the governments, or in our communities, because it's so easy to become all about me, my plan, my program, my church. It's his church, by the way. My everything. That none of which has anything to do with God's agenda for his kingdom and the nations. He's all about souls. He only wants to achieve that when we allow him to use us with person, with power. I personally don't want people to be moved by what I say. I want them to be moved by what he says through me. I want people to see my life and say, what is that? I want that. He's looking for consecrated men and women empowered by his Holy Spirit to do great things for his kingdom and for, their, for that need 
For that to happen, we have to reposition our hearts with confidence that he will take care of all our needs if we just obey him. We must stop looking down. We see only the things around us when we look down. We need to look up so we can see all the things around God. He doesn't need a lot to do a lot.